what would you identify as one side or total that might be intriguing you at this stage of the week? Sure. Um, so just a, a, a clearance, I'm not a huge NFL better, but mm. for today's sake, I am. Uh, <laughs> we can go Thank to, you for uh, the transparency. Yes. Yeah, of course. I, there is a total that I did play, uh, and it's the under in Green Bay. Got it. Current line looks under, to be 42 and a half. Yeah, I played under 43. Um, and I played it for someone, uh, but it is, the, it is the biggest play that I played this week. Uh, yeah, there we go. Under 43. I'm more of a prop person in NBA, so. Yes, and we will get into your wheelhouse when it comes to that. With regard to this line, I'm thinking, I, I don't do a ton of totals myself, so I don't want to have the deaf leading the blind here. Um, you certainly know more about this wager than I do. If we're looking at 42 and a half right now, I've even seen some 42s. 43 might not come back. If somebody hears you and, and understands this was the biggest play you've made so far this week, would you still consider it valuable at 42 and a half? Sure. I think so. I'm not a I'm not a huge stickler in like hey you know if someone wants to play under 42 because I played under 43 I think it's a better play than just guessing something random, probably. Uh, so yeah, I mean don't buy a point, don't play like it to like minus 150 like that Zilbert guy does I see, but yeah I don't think there's a huge issue in terms of uh, you know taking a little less of a bad number sometimes. Um, and we have a comment in the chat that might play into this handicap a bit. Dan Rivera jumping in. Dan, thanks for joining us live once again. believe Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon, and Watson all about to be out for the Packers. Joey, did this factor into the wager at all to, to try to get a good number? Understanding it might not be the best of the number at 42 yeah. and a half, but to maybe get in before the total perhaps drops even further. Yeah, it did. And, you know, I actually, I actually kind of think Taylor is a little better than uh, Dillon. Dillon's kind of like not terrible for unders because he's like a three yards, four yards. He kind of wears, you know, wears them out while like Taylor can be more of a home run guy, which, you know, is never great when you have an under and he can score on one play. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the Packers are thin and their defense right, well, is I think I was a bit late to come around on the Packers, and then I finally got yeah. some exposure on them last yeah. week. So uh, maybe that backfired. I cannot fault a, a look uh, against them or Tampa Bay producing too many fireworks on the scoreboard come this weekend. And Joey, I'm going to run a side by you here. Okay. Buffalo minus two hosting Dallas. To be honest, my first thought on this game was the Cowboys are the clear better team. Buffalo's home field advantage and desperation in this spot are priced in and then some. Mm -hmm. And I'm not even sure that Buffalo would be favored if Kadarius Tony lines up correctly. <laughs> so that said, I've learned, especially this season, my individual opinion, certainly not foolproof. And I often turn to curation as my form of creation, looking for some consensus among sharp betters whose opinions I respect and who I think take different approaches to reach the same outcome that really seems to identify some signal within my approach. And when it comes to this game, Cleve TA on forward progress, very high on Buffalo and yeah. Steve Fezzik, very high on Buffalo as he articulated on the bet us NFL show, as well as the dream preview podcast. I will note the number that they've referenced is bounced around between one and a half to two and a half over the course of the week. Currently the consensus is too. And I think that there's nothing wrong with, to your point, not splitting hairs too much here. Um, at the consensus of two, I can still consider it a go with Buffalo, considering the handicap that these guys presented. 
for TA, a lot of it was driven by Dallas's perception being inflated right now, coming off of three straight home games, and their last road game was at Carolina. So how much of a test was that really? And the Cowboys' defense hasn't been dominating as much as the scoreboard might indicate, but they've been getting some good fortune from turnovers. In this case, there could be some solid edges in play for the Buffalo offense. Overall, a magic carpet ride of easy pass defenses and friendly confines for the Cowboys lately, a step up in class this week. Similar points made by Steve Bezik, who also noted that the weather, not expected to be brutal here, but it could present a bit of a shock to the Cowboys system coming from Texas and a, a kind of different climate here. Yeah. Overall, I think that when TA and Fezzik feel that strongly, it's hard for me to look to go the other way. Any thoughts from your standpoint, Joey, on Buffalo to do little more than win outright, hosting the Cowboys in perhaps the most intriguing game on the board for Week 15? Yeah, it should be a great game. I, I actually do agree with everything you said. I mean, Dallas is a different team indoors versus, you know, it's not going to be, it's going to be cold in Buffalo. I can only, I don't have the weather report, but it's not, it's, it's December. We're, we're looking at cold and, and, and I think Buffalo is a team that has improved actually a lot since, you know, that, that game versus at least versus New England, where I remember watching that game versus New England because I had them in teasers and being like, they are not very good. And, and they've gotten better every week. You know, Diggs is, I don't think as good as, he was last year and the year before, but they're starting to like use their pieces better. Cooks, you know, Cooks getting some receptions and being used better. Just, I think that's more of a play on Dallas, just being on the, like on the road off a big divisional game. It's, it's all the pieces that you, you look for uh, to be like, I hate to use the word letdown spot and everything, but yeah, I could see Dallas kind of coming in and not playing their best game. All right. Well, speaking of letdown spots, it is now 49 to nothing Raiders still more than 10 minutes to go in the third quarter. So we'll see if Brandon Staley is the Lane Kiffin at 2.0 of not making it off the tarmac once the team lands back in Los Angeles. But moving um, right along with this week's show, yeah, keeping I'm, a forward looking sense. Oh, go for it. I'm super excited to see how what that would the Chargers do offensively this this half, like if they just go. <laughs> You know, maybe they go away from Easton Stick. I, I wouldn't mind seeing Max Duggan play. You know, he's can't get worse. Can't. I mean, I don't, yeah, Stick's not the guy. He was not the guy versus Denver. But yeah, maybe they go to Eckler. Maybe they don't. I really do need them to go to Eckler. So I am going to be watching it uh, with some some eye, side eye. <laughs> All right. Well, I will understand if I need to reel you back in a bit yeah, here. But for you. now, after after the Raiders put up their seventh touchdown in just over one half of play, let's talk some teasers on the Week okay. 15 slate. I'm seeing three fits on the board right now. If we're looking at that classic advantage model of crossing through the key numbers of three and seven, Pittsburgh can be taken up to plus seven and a half at Indianapolis on Saturday. Dallas can be taken up to plus eight at Buffalo. And Kansas City, seeing a little bit of steam recently, but can still be taken down to minus two at New England on Sunday night football. Joey, between those three, or perhaps anything a bit outside the box, we don't have to color within the lines when we're talking about the standard teaser rules on this show. Any thoughts on your end about anything that might offer some teaser appeal for Week 15? Sure. Um, I actually, I that's a tough one because I don't, I wouldn't tease honestly myself until Sunday morning. Um, and I personally wouldn't tease, um, Steelers. The total is a little too high for me, but you're looking 40. What is it? 43, 44. 
Yeah, for the Pittsburgh Indianapolis total, current consensus looks to be 42. Yeah, I mean, I, I personally like to tease um, teams at home, which you don't really have many options this week to do. And um, but I, I don't, I don't mind teasing the Saints. I really like the Saints this week in general. Um, and you're looking to tease them to about pick them, maybe you know. The, I, I could see it going to six and a half. So you're looking. At, I think that's a good option. I, I think the Chiefs aren't a bad option. Um, and then maybe maybe you'll get. I can't imagine you'll get Miami going to eight and a half. So you can you know get them to two and a half. But maybe um, those those are the you know the ones that I would look at. But yeah, I mean the Steelers do play close games and. They, they are, you know, you would think they can cover seven and a half versus the Colts. So I don't hate that one at all. Got it. So it's, Dallas. And it sounds like if we were looking for a, a standard two teamer here, the ship does seem to have sailed on Miami. They were in teaser territory until uh-huh. this afternoon. Now nine and a half across the board, even seeing a 10 at Chris. So ship has probably sailed for the Dolphins, but... Mm-hmm. If you're interested in New Orleans, sound to pick them. And it sounded like the Chiefs minus two at New England. If you had to lock in something right now, it sounds like that would be the look. Correct me if I'm wrong there. But I also caught you on a, a couple of process-driven points that sounded really astute. First off, typically not looking to play teasers until much closer to kickoff. And I've talked about that from time to time on this show. So I think listeners have heard me give my point of view on that angle. But I'd love to turn it over to you to elaborate a bit on why you try to time the teaser market closer to kickoff versus a lot of other bet types where people are encouraged to get down earlier rather than later. Yeah, of course. Um, well, um, at least in the end, towards the end of the season, I look to do more on Sunday in the first few weeks. I actually do even tease sometimes Monday uh, because if there's a, t- if there's a team or Monday or Tuesday, if there's a team that I like think like, Hey, this is going to get out of like out of range or whatever, or, some other reason, uh, then I will do it on Monday. But well, the Chargers just scored, by the way. <laughs> All right, signs of life. Don't um, call it a comeback. No, exactly. Um, <laughs> so yeah, uh, forgot my point. But you'll I, sometimes early in the season tease uh, if you think a number's yeah. going to get away even on a Monday. I, I feel like there's more injury, you know, kind of questions and uh, things lingering. Like I didn't even know until, you know, an hour or two before the game or whenever it was tweeted about Josh Jacobs. And there's just a lot more things in the air, in my opinion, uh, whether uh, this at this time of year to just wait. Um, people are, you know, a lot more injuries, a lot more reasons to sit people. You know, some teams are out of it and like, you know, they're not going to play a guy who's maybe week two, that same injury he plays. So I definitely think waiting at this time of year for me, maybe I'm wrong, is is what I like to do, but I could be wrong. I think, I think in a nutshell, my thought is that teasers are inherently a bet against variance. If you're getting six mm-hmm. points in either direction of the point spread, you want to be betting into as efficient of a point spread as possible. And later in the week, market efficiency tends to be higher, higher limits, more liquidity. And to your point, if there are injury or weather unknowns, that tends to get cleared up. So I would say to your point, if there's a game on Monday where there's a team that's laying eight, eight and a half, and they're getting steamed up toward double digits. Yeah. It tees down through the three while you still can and don't wait too long. 
But when in doubt, I think teasers are one market where it often doesn't hurt to wait a little bit and try to capture as much market efficiency and let that be your friend. Yeah. And, you know, speaking of weather, I mean, you're, you you can this time of year, you know, bet on Monday, Tuesday, uh, you know, some unders on the weather. And, and by Wednesday, Thursday, they there's, you know, reports of it not being as bad as people thought. Like you saw that with Chicago last week where it went from like mm-hmm. 45 to 40 and then, you know, you would have middled it. Uh, so there's, there's definitely middle opportunities for weather reports at this time of year too. So I feel like that is where I would go on Monday and Tuesday versus trying to tease, you know, and uh, teasers are really not a, a week deciding type of thing for me. So I'm not spending that much time thinking about it, I guess. All right. Well, I know you don't spend too much time thinking about it, but I will have you think about it for another moment here because I also heard you mention when it comes to Pittsburgh Indy, that total may be being a bit elevated for your liking. Mm-hmm. And for the longest time, my thought process on teasers would be that low totals are great because if there are fewer yeah. points scored in a game, you're still getting the same six points in a teaser. So that can really magnify the relative value of those six points that you're getting. And a few weeks ago, I had a really intriguing back and forth with a lot of people who I really respect. And and there were arguments kind of to be made for both sides, just questioning how much totals really mattered in the teaser market. And it kind of stopped me in my tracks because I just figured, how would it not matter if you can tease a game totaled in the mid 30s relative to something in the low to mid 50s? And I was able to check in with Rufus Peabody, whose numbers I will trust uh, about as much as anybody, the way he models things. And his general takeaway was that low totals are beneficial, but perhaps not as beneficial as some people make them out to be. I, I don't want to put too many words in his mouth, but my takeaway from interacting with him on this topic was that it's a factor, but it's not necessarily the be all end all. And then Las Vegas, Chris, whose approach I respect so much because he can get so creative and think outside the box to capture edges that kind of break all the rules, but have served him very well for a long period of time. He not just giving his opinion, but he has data going Mm -hmm. back several years, trying to get the biggest possible sample size, but within the current NFL landscape, we don't want to go back 20 years to a totally different scoring environment. So, Mm -hmm. so trying to toe that balance, he gave some data that indicated that games with higher totals for whatever reason seem to be doing as well, if not better than games with lower totals when it came to value on teaser legs. So a nudge in one direction from Rufus, a nudge from Las Vegas Chris in another direction. I just kind of came out of it thinking, okay, yeah, all else equal, an extremely low total, right. sign me up, and that's going to be a factor. But otherwise, if there's a game that's 39 and another game that's 44, mm-hmm. maybe I'm not going to use that as a significant tiebreaker. Yeah, yeah. So what do you make of totals when it comes to teasers? Yeah, I mean, a higher total, you have both teams expected to score. I mean, that's the thing about the the Patriots uh, this week. If, you, if you, you know, you're teasing the – I guess the Chiefs would be the team you tease, but like, are the Patriots really going to score that much? Like, so it's not that scary, you know, kind of thing. If you were to tease that one, uh, I just feel like, you know, I got this conversation during the end of the college football season with Iowa games. Um, it was Iowa and Nebraska and the total was like, I don't remember 24. Was it 26 and a half? Yeah. Like, 20, maybe 24, not, 24 and a half. Yeah. Like how am I not teasing Iowa? in everything this week. Like that is actually, I, I ended up with a lot of money and they, you know, cause the Cardinal rule is never tease college football. That's what you're told. Like that's like a rule and like you make fun of, it's like basketball. Not, I mean, I don't think it's as bad teasing basketball has got to be terrible, but you know, you're told to like, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. And I was like, this can't, this has to be good. Like there's just no way. Especially because the spread was like plus one and a half. So you could go up through the key numbers with that yeah. historically low total. 
you can do and how it work out you look <laughs> and you have a total of 24 like i even i think i even teased the total to to uh at one day like to like to like 16 or 17 um and yeah, was I, this the first i teased iowa games twice uh in recent weeks as well and the first time i did it it might have been the nebraska game uh if there was a total of 24 and a half i think they lost like 20 to nothing uh, or maybe that was Rutgers. I think that was Iowa Rutgers. It backfired on me, and then yeah. in Nebraska, it, it worked out okay. Yeah, I mean that. I mean that is a thing when you do have a total of twenty three. Like you do have a chance of a team scoring literally nothing. Um, so, but they're not teams that like go for it on fourth down, where you're like looking at like, hey, Iowa's gonna be crazy and go for it. Like there was a team that did that on for the like, uh, second half of it. I think it might even I forgot who it was, but. It was a college team, and every like they would get, uh, they would go for them in the second half, like every time, and 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 you would have to like uh, if you bet against them or on them, like dodge them going for it on fourth down in their own thirty, like right out of halftime. Um, but Iowa's just not that team, so I think you're fine. Yeah, and I will shift us back into the NFL for a moment and note first off a correction. I think I referred to Chiefs Patriots as the Sunday night game. It's looking like that's not the case anymore because why would we want to put New England in that spotlight or this current version of the Chiefs offense for that matter? Um, so not Sunday night, but still taking place on Sunday. Mm -hmm. If it seems like you're looking toward New Orleans and Kansas City, I'm with you on Kansas City. And I have identified Pittsburgh as the other leg that I yeah. like this week. And to me, it comes down to evenly matched teams. I know the Steelers offense doesn't bring a whole lot to the table, but the Colts defense doesn't either. That's been a pretty porous unit of late. No surprise to me if the Steelers win outright. So in a teaser, just asking them to keep it within seven. Again, nothing's a lock. We tried teasing the Lions on Thanksgiving, <laughs> the Jags against the yeah. Bengals on Monday Night Football the week after that. Things that seem too good to be true might turn out to be too good yeah. to be true. So manage your bankroll accordingly, especially with Kansas City being a road favorite. That always introduces a little bit more variance to the equation as well. But in my case, I, I hear you on Kansas City, and I'll go ahead and pair them with Pittsburgh. Hopefully not too off-putting to your initial look to maybe rule the Steelers out. And I'm on New England, so I'm, I, I got 10 and a half minus 120. Um, but it is like scary. It's like, you know, how are they going to score? And, but I, I, I mean, yeah, the chiefs are not quite as good as they were last year. They do have issues and they especially have issues second half. So we will see. Yeah. And one more note regarding the Kansas city teaser leg, I will say a hat tip to Las Vegas, Chris, once again, he often talks about finding a home for a teaser or parlay option. He likes if it becomes an orphan line to use his words, and I think of that in the sense of Pittsburgh playing on Saturday. If the Steelers don't cover, I wouldn't mind playing Dallas in a teaser, taking the Cowboys up to plus eight with Kansas City minus one and a half. And to your point, laying the teaser portion with Kansas City, but taking New England plus ten and a half, it can seem counterintuitive to be on one team against a spread and on another team on a teaser in the same game. Often it might be trying to mm -hmm. thread the needle. Yeah. But in this case, I don't think it's a horrible idea. In the Bills-Cowboys game, I don't think that liking Buffalo against the spread and seeing some value in Dallas to keep this a one-score game are necessarily mutually exclusive. It opens up a pretty wide middle opportunity at that. So I wouldn't do it just for a pure middle or arbitrage angle, but I don't mind the fact that you could possibly go 2-0. You can't go 0-2. So mm -hmm. I can't fault the look of incorporating Dallas if somebody sees value there. And possibly as well, maybe oh. adding Dallas in a three-team teaser with Pittsburgh and Kansas City at plus 160 or better. Am I missing more fireworks in Las Vegas? 
No, but I was saying you can you can go zero and two if the second leg loses. Oh, oh yes, thank you. Good, yes, good clarification. You can't go zero and two within the same game, but with yeah. a teaser, it takes two to tango. So, thank you. Yeah, very yeah. good correction there. I have done zero and two plenty of times to know you can always go zero and two. <laughs> yeah, that's some oftentimes with hedging. Um, a hedge is not always a hedge. I have a colleague who bet the Heisman Trophy market. He got a really good number on, I think he had a good number on Bo Nix early in the season. And then right before Oregon played Washington, he took Michael Penix as kind of a hedge. And and those were great bets to have Bo Nix and Michael Penix both at astronomically high payouts going into conference championship weekend. Great portfolio. And of course, you can go 0-2 at the same time. So worth keeping in mind that what feels like a hedge isn't always a bulletproof hedge. So thank you for putting me in my place with that comment. (laughs) And moving on from teasers, Joey, we can get into some props. I know NBA props is really up your alley, but when it comes to the NFL, anything in the prop betting marketplace that draws any of your interest on this week 15 slate? No, uh, you know, we can talk props in general. I think like, you know, there's a great, if you're going to do props, like NFL is tough. I think NFL is the first domino that fell when it comes to after legalization. You because you know I remember back ten you know five ten years ago, props you know you could just blindly take unders and you, you're gonna you're gonna pretty much cruise on on an NFL Sunday. But you know when when DraftKings came and all those places came and started releasing props on uh, Tuesday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you're you're looking at you know. A really tough market and yeah it's just to me it's just too tough i don't know i don't know who's winning in nfl props i don't i'm sure there's tons of people i i just no it just hasn't been that much of a focus to me at all um but yeah besides prop builder uh which is a different day uh time <laughs> All right, maybe that's that's a good conversation we can tap into perhaps at some point uh, during the offices and or leading up to the following. But I'll I'll note to your point, unders used to be a, a pretty reliable cash cow. I know that it's not just good to do that blindly anymore. I will say that I've had some pretty good success this season and in years past with guys like Hitman or Ed yeah. Bang in certain markets with what he's doing over at the power rank with quarterback interceptions. I think there has been a lot of opportunity to identify people who might not do everything in the prop market, but if they can really specialize in one area, kind of like in college basketball, the best advice is often just pick a random conference and really learn a lot of teams that not everybody's focusing on so that when everybody's zoned in on Duke and UNC and Kansas and Kentucky, mm-hmm. you can just pull schools that nobody's ever heard of uh, out of your back pocket and really know them like the back of your hand. So I yeah. think that there's value in that sense in the prop market, but go ahead and, and weigh yeah. in on that from more of a process standpoint. I'll just say from a process standpoint, I would say if you do want to bet NFL props and you are someone that has, let's say like one to three accounts, then then just get to know your specific site or account be, and, and then attack what you say, attack one prop. Like let's say, um, let's say you have uh, Buckeye, you might want to attack only um, receiving yards that might you know they might be you know pretty weak and have some off-market stuff every week on receiving yards so maybe maybe you have uh bovada and i mean you have plenty of options to attack them so i would say based on what site you have just get to know where they might be weakest and and just and figure and 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 go there maybe go maybe just be an off-market prop better 
I, I love that. And it's a great counter to, or compliment perhaps to my point about trying to find people who excel in certain areas. Yeah. Also try to find books that are weak in certain areas. Sure. And some of the best bets that I've ever made, and it's been trying to learn from professionals such as yourself will be not necessarily logging into an account, knowing what I want to bet, uh -huh. but just opening every tab, checking the whole menu and, and really trying to take advantage of a broad attack surface. And if you can just identify one or two weaknesses, uh, I might know that this isn't a number that I want to bet at every other book, but if one's sticking out like a sore thumb, if somebody's off market and it's not off market from a book that I consider to be a market maker, then that can be of immense value, even if there's not much of a handicap behind it. Yeah. And, and, and just be nice to people who aren't good at certain books too. Like if you have a friend who just crushes Bavada and he will find every off market line at Bavada, you know, maybe share some of, you know, the site that you're good at and in exchange, he'll end up texting you, Hey man, did you know, play this at Bovada tonight? Like, I'm, I don't know if you saw it and I'll be like, no, I didn't, I didn't get a chance to look. So I think that's like a big thing when it comes to uh, props too, is just being like someone who's not greedy and selfish mm. because I see so many young guys, they come up and they, they, they'll text me, Hey man, I got a great play. Uh, can, what can you get me? And I'll be like, I don't know what's the play. And they'll just be like, well, can you get me a thousand dollars? And I'll be like, I have no idea. I don't know what the play is. And they'll be like, it's some random bet on Bovada for that. And I'll look, it's like, dude, they're taking a hundred dollars. I'm not getting you a thousand. But like, if <laughs> instead just were like, Hey, just sent me the play and be like, Hey, go for it. I would then, you know, share with them some good stuff. So I think, you know, just being someone who shares, you know, stuff like that for free is invaluable in this space. Yeah, I really appreciate you bringing this to the table because whether or not you did feel conviction on a certain prop this week, even if you had one that you loved and it won no sweat, I think this type of approach that you're sharing will give people so much value beyond the scope of whatever happens just this week in the NFL. So on that note, I'm not going to be able to top the way that you just spoke to props, but I will speak to one specifically and maybe see what you think here. I'm looking at Jake Browning passing yards under 243 and a half. Uh, again, we've identified unders used to be something you could almost bet blind and get away with profitably. Not so much the case anymore. But what I like about this, even though I want to give credit where it's due, Browning, I think, has exceeded all reasonable expectations since stepping in for Cincinnati after the Joe Burrow injury. I think there's an interesting wrinkle this week going up against a really aggressive and nuanced Brian Flores defense. That to me represents a major step up in class from what Browning has faced against the Colts and the Jags the last couple of weeks. And beyond the test of Browning's physical ability, I think Flores and the Vikings could really test his mental ability to process a complex defensive scheme. One more thing, looking at it more from a market-driven standpoint, flat minus 115 VIG is widely available at this number, Browning mm -hmm. under 243 and a half. And I see that a book like Caesars is juiced heavily to the under and from my understanding, they're regarded as a fairly sharp book in this market because they're willing to take a bet. Some of the sharper players I know within the regulated market prefer to go to books like Caesars for that reason. So that gives me a bit more confidence. It's it's almost like seeing the Circa or, or Chris lean in bigger NFL markets. I would say all things considered, I'm down for Browning under 243 and a half passing yards, probably a bit of wiggle room. I would play it to 240 and a half. Any thoughts, Joey, on this Jake Browning prop? Yeah, I I stay away from passing yards props. I think that it's very correlated to almost, you know, taking Browning under is pretty correlated in some ways to taking the Bengals to win. 
Um, and you know, you, you've, you, you're dead if the Bengals get down. So even if Browning, you know, starts off bad and the defense is going to, they, they get down, you know, 14 and they're passing every play in the fourth quarter and, and, you know, you're dead, which is, you know, part of the prop, but I do look sometimes for those to look more at, uh, completions or attempts and, mm. and, uh, and go from there. But yeah, passing yards is one of the ones I'd stay away from. And if you do think he's going to go under yards, I would look more at the receivers. Um, you know, I know he's going to go in a chase, you know, nonstop. So I would look at Boyd, uh, and I would look at Boyd's longest, uh, reception under i'm gonna see if i can pull that up quickly in real time i love the way that you just outlined this without me having told you anything in advance tyler boyd long reception this is 18 and a half but i have no idea yeah that's that's a a guess i wish was accurate i'm seeing 15 and a half pretty much painted so um might be a little bit late to the party there but oh, that's okay. It was last week around that. I know it lost, but um, yeah, I would look. I would look at you know some some guys that he's not targeting as much. Um, and I just I also worry like, you know, it's like a Purdy thing where he can throw the ball four yards to Chase and Chase just goes sixty yards. Sure. Um, but yeah, I mean the reasons that you gave were great, and 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 it's probably a bad matchup for them. But I would if you do think that I would look to go against the Bengals. Uh, you know, against the spread or, uh, you know, something else. So that, that's why passing yards is never that much of like a something that I really look, you know, bet I, I would look at the receivers. I really appreciate that context because something that I, I think I might recall having said already early on in this conversation, but really my mantra, our biggest edges betters is the option to pick and choose our spots, whereas books pretty much have to post a line for every game and oftentimes many things within any given game. So that kind of process driven insight that you just shared, I'm going to really take that and run with it moving forward. Maybe not unload on Browning under and look to get down at other angles that could follow a similar handicap. No, do what you want, of course. But I think I, I do think that is true with a lot of people is like they'll have these like I'll talk to my friends and they'll say, uh, you know, this team is going to kill the other team. You know, the Raiders are going to kill the Chargers. So that so I took over 35. I'll hear that all the time. And then I'll, and they'll be like, well, both teams are going to score stuff like that. And then, you know, it, it the, the Raiders will win, but it'll go under things like that. Um, obviously not tonight, but. So I think like, you know, just, you know, sometimes you have the right pick in your head. You just end up with something different. Um, so just keep it simple and and you're probably going to be OK. And I'll go back to Billy Walters's book, One More Time Gambler, because I believe it's on the back cover, an endorsement by Roxy Roxborough. And if uh-huh. I'm quoting correctly, the saying was, is Billy Walters the best handicapper of all time? Maybe. Is he the best better of all time? Absolutely. Something to that effect where it's it's one thing to know how to bet. It's one thing to know how to handicap. If push comes to shove, it's probably much better to know how to bet because some people who know everything about a team, all the players' names and stats, can't necessarily turn that into profitable sports betting. But if you're a really good handicapper, oftentimes it's knowing how to marry the right handicap with the right mm-hmm. betting selections. Oh, totally. I'm not a good handicapper at all, but a great better. And um, I, I come away reading that book, not that he's a great better. I, that's the weird thing. I think, you know, maybe he was like, I, I, I come away from that book reading that he's a great golfer and got bailed out a lot and had nice friends and somehow ended up with hundreds of millions of dollars. There's a lot of pages missing. Um, 
I just feel like that book is leaves something to the ear and he has, uh, I guess this is like a secret or what, but uh, hopefully I don't get in too much trouble for sharing this, but he has been shopping this book around to every uh, studio and it is not getting much love. <laughs> so, okay. Well, we that's not uh, again. he, I think he wrote this with the intention of it becoming a movie and it's not working out for now. All right. So I think you're telling me that while Billy Walters was a star at Bet Bash 3, we can look forward to seeing you at his table for the Hall of Fame induction ceremony come Bet Bash 4 next summer. I would love that. Oh, I, I have nothing but respect, obviously, for him. But it's just there's pages missing in that book where it's like he obviously didn't want to share everything. And I just feel like he wanted to highlight some things that I don't necessarily need to read. Um, but, you know, I. I have nothing but respect. I mean, any you make you however you make your money from betting, it doesn't matter if it's your picks or someone else's picks or anything. If you can figure out how to a win, if you find a winner and you can make millions of dollars from them, you're great better. That's the truth. All right. Well, how is this for a transition? Speaking of looking to make money from somebody else's picks, this is the time of the show where I'd like to give the audience a weekly reminder that this season I'm partnering in an affiliate capacity with the team over at Right Angle Sports. And I think they've got something for everyone from their NFL offerings to college basketball, where they've really got an unparalleled track record of success to college football with a bowl service now being available. If you're interested in trying them out, no obligation whatsoever, but you can support this show by supporting Right Angle Sports. A custom link I've built to check that out is tinyurl.com slash picks. And from there, I'll run down a rapid fire week 15 run through for the props and hops NFL portfolio usually starts with sides, but Joey kicked us off with a total Tampa Bay Green Bay under 42 and a half. I'm in on Buffalo minus two hosting Dallas. As far as teasers go, seems like a lean for you, Joey, on New Orleans pick them against the Giants paired with Kansas City minus two at New England. And I'm going to be with you on Kansas City. I will pair the Chiefs with Pittsburgh up to plus seven and a half at Indianapolis. And then on props, nothing official from Joey this week, but a boatload of evergreen invaluable insight way better than any one pick can ever do for most of the audience here. And I will merely go with one pick on the week 15 slate. Jake Browning under 243 and a half passing yards. 